And as Mark comes up, I have a long bio that he gave me. He's a former pastor from Greenville and now the chairman of Revive Ohio. And so we're glad he's here to speak to us. And those of you who are getting a cue, yes, if you are youth and you want to head out of here because adult time is way, way more boring than kid time, um, please head out the back with Ms. Jackson there. All right. Well, thank you. Awesome. Well, good morning. Yeah, I'm going to use this, I think. So uh, thanks for uh, putting up with me, having me so far. So uh, just so you know, before we get started this morning, um, you know, your pastor Rob and I, we met uh, during Revive, and I'll talk about that just a little bit. But he, I asked him, you know, before we came, I said, well, how long do I actually get to share? And he said, as long as you want. And I'm like, great, so they're used to four-hour sermons? So, you know, you might want to look at your neighbor and say, man, Martha, we should have came next week. No, but I'm just kidding. I'll, I'll keep it under three, if at all possible. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I wanted to share just a little bit of the story with you. Um, as Greg so graciously shared this morning, uh, I, for 25 years, was in bivocational ministry. I served in the church a lot. I was a worship leader, um, and I uh, then got called into the pastor and the pulpit ministry. And in the midst of that, uh, I learned that God never likes to leave us in our comfort zone. <laughs> I don't know if you've been following the Lord for a while, but he always likes to keep us challenged and fresh, right? And because what he wants to do through us and in us requires complete surrender and sacrifice. So uh, basically, I am a part of a ministry that is based in Dallas, Texas called Time to Revive, okay? Time to Revive visited Ohio back in 2016 and introduced Revive to us. So uh, I am actually now a full-time ministry. Uh, and let's see if I can figure this out. Um, Okay, I'm a full-time missionary to America, <laughs> right? So when I was pastoring, I was in Greenville, Ohio, as Greg mentioned, and we had a missionary come and visit our church one day. He actually knocked on the front door, which doesn't really happen in America, right? But he was a little short fella, and uh, with his strong accent, he said, I am a missionary from Africa. And I'm like, what are you doing here? No, seriously, this is what I said to him. Like, what are you doing here? And he's like, God sent me to America. And I was like, hmm, I had to chew on that one for a second, right? Well, wait a minute, we normally send missionaries to Africa. And I'm like, hmm, what's the possibility that God sent an African missionary to America? Not only to America, but to Ohio? Isn't that crazy? So I'm a full-time missionary to America as well, and actually also to Ohio. So in the midst of all of that, that was, that was a couple of years before we actually had our first revival in Greenville, and uh, God was preparing me in advance. Revive Ohio has been uh, invited into all of these counties in Ohio so far. We started in 2016. And we started getting invited to pursue revival. In 2018, I don't know if any of you guys were a part of that yet, but uh, we came to Logan County as well for a week 
What we're called to do, what God has asked us to do is to equip the saints. That's you guys. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a saint. <laughs> right? Well, that's what the Bible says. The Bible says if you're a believer in Christ, then you're a saint of God. And so we're called to actually help equip the saints, right, for the return of Christ. How many know that Jesus is coming back? He said he was. Now, I don't know when that is. I have no idea, right? And Jesus himself even said, no man knows the day or the hour, only the Father. But the fact remains, he is coming back. I don't know when that is, but it's got to be sooner than later. How many of you uh, watch the news and get discouraged lately? Right? But I, and how many of you have prayed, Lord Jesus, come quickly, right? But he is coming. And so what we're trying to do uh, as a ministry of Revival Ohio, we're trying to equip the church, that's all of you guys, the saints, to actually go out and share the gospel, right? With, with a really simple little method and some easy to use tools that we can use in our everyday lives. So that's what God has called us to do. And in the midst of pastoring in Greenville, the Lord said, I, I want you to drop your net and I want you to go with these guys. And I'm like, what? I was very comfortable um, pastoring and so forth. But when God calls, you better answer. So I'm now the state chairman of Revive Ohio because they asked me in the midst of that, they said, hey, will you be the state chairman for Revive Ohio, which never even existed? And I was like, what does that look like? And they said, pray. <laughs> so that's what we have began to do. We have began to pray and we have been to 15 counties, 15 communities in Ohio now, and we're pursuing revival and helping people. So um, this is uh, where, what this is the chapter that I'm in right now. So we're going to have uh, a table set up back in the foyer uh, for you guys with some materials. Tell you a little bit about more about what we do and what our mission is. So this morning, as we get into the Word, I want to talk to you about something that your pastor and I had sat and talked about um, a while back. And. One day he called me and said, I'm going to be gone out of town. Would you please come and share some of this information with my congregation that uh, you and I talked about? He said, this is really good, and, and I think this, is, this will be good material for them. And so what we want to talk about today comes from Luke chapter 24, right, and verse 49. It's talking about being endued with power. So interestingly enough, Luke 24, 49 says this. If you have your Bible, you can read along. But it says, behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. And he said, I'm going to send the promise of my father upon you. But tarry, and that word means wait, wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So Jesus is telling his disciples in advance, like, go to Jerusalem and hang out there. You know, wait, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow you to be endued with power from on high. Anybody ever heard that term before, endued with power? So if I came up to you in the foyer and said, hey, I want to endue you with power, what would you think? <laughs> right? That's a little strange, right? It's not really in our kind of modern day vernacular today, but Jesus said that. And so I was curious about it. I'm like, well, what does he mean by that? So here's the answer. What does endued mean? How many of you use 
the word and do in your everyday language, right? It's not something that we use, but what does it actually mean? It actually means to invest or endow with some gift, quality, or trait. An example of this would be a professional soldier is endued with an ironclad sense of duty and honor. That is that Christians serving in the Lord's army. So if you're serving in the Lord's army, you're not going powerless, but the Lord wants to give you some gifts and some tools and some authority. And we'll dig into this a little bit uh, later. And it, it comes from a Greek word pronounced enduo here in this text. It means to be clothed with, to put on, or to be arrayed in. That's what endued means. It means that you're actually going to be given something to put on. So what does that mean in context with what Jesus said when he said, you're going to be endued with power. You're going to put on some power. Um, And so the same word is used in the story of the prodigal son. Are you familiar with the story of the prodigal son? So think about this. In Luke 15, 22, we're not going to go there for time's sake, but the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on endue. That's the same Greek word. Endue him, put this on him and put a ring on his hand and put shoes on his feet. So he gave him his best robe. He put it on him. This is a symbol of the power that God wants to put on us, right? That's what the same word endue means. Now it says this, it's also found in Ephesians chapter six, verses 11 and 14, put on and duo again, the whole armor of God. You familiar with that verse, right? Put on, that's that same Greek word, right? Put it on, right? You have to put it on in order to own it, right? And so what Jesus is saying to the church, to the disciples is, I want to put power on you. How many would sign up for that, right? How many of you could use a little power? Okay, what happens when you pull out your cell phone and it says low battery. What do you look for right away? Power. Power, right? How important is that? Well, it's really important if you need to use that tool, right? So here's what it says. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth, having on or in duo the breastplate of righteousness. Again, it's something that you have to put on. So back to Luke 24, behold, I send you the promise of my father upon you. So what was the promise of the father that Jesus is talking about? And again, he says, tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. What promise is Jesus actually talking about? Now the disciples, they understood, they knew what the promise was. So when he said, hey, listen, I'm going to send you the promise that my father promised you that he would send. Anybody know what that promise was? Anybody have a wild guess? Amen, right? You got the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit, right? That's the promise of the father. This is what we're gonna dig into today. When Jesus said, I'm going to endue you with power from on high, that means he's going to give us the Holy Spirit. All right. The Holy Spirit is right. Thank you, guys. Now, listen to this. In John chapter 15, this is Jesus further explaining to the disciples about the Holy Spirit, 
right? And he says this, but when the helper comes, okay, who is the helper? So it might behoove you guys to know that's the answer today, right? To a lot of my questions today is like, the Holy Spirit is what we're going to get to understand, to know him. Now, here's what he says. When he comes, right, to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. You will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Here's the first thing I want you to know. The Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is not a thing. The Holy Spirit is not a fog or a, a, or a ghost, right? The Holy Spirit is a he. That's what it says. The Holy Spirit is a part of, like we just talked about, the Father, this God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. What I want us to delve into today and begin to understand, maybe go a little bit deeper today, is that the Holy Spirit is exactly what Jesus said in the beginning of this verse. He is our helper. Now, it's interesting that if you get out a church hymnal, right, and they usually categorize the hymnals and all these things, and you go, well, let's look at a hymn for God the Father, and there's a bunch of them. And then you get a hymn for Jesus, and there's zillions of them. And then you turn the page, well, I want to sing a hymn about the Holy Spirit, and there's about two or three, right? And I just really believe that the church just doesn't quite understand him yet, because He's been sent to us for, by Jesus because it's the promise of the Father. So what is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? I don't want you to answer yet, but I want you to start to think about what is the purpose, what is the reason that the Father promised the Holy Spirit? And what is the reason that Jesus said, I'm gonna send you him as a helper? I want us to think about and recognize our need. How many know that we need Jesus? Anybody believe that? Okay, so we need Jesus. Do you also realize we need the Holy Spirit also? We need God the Father, right? But we need the Holy Spirit too. So we're gonna delve into this just a little bit deeper today. And he says in John 16, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. So picture yourself, here you are with Jesus. You've watched him perform miracles. You've watched him calm the sea when you thought you were gonna die in the boat. You've watched him do all these things. And he says, but you know what, guys? He said, by the way, it's gonna be for your advantage when I go away. How many of you think that was a popular thought among the disciples, right? Like you say, what? But he said, it's to your advantage that I go away for if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. So Jesus is saying, listen, when I go away, because I am gonna go away, and he's been telling them that he's gonna go away. He said, but it's good for you because the helper won't come unless I do. And then he says this, I will send him to you. So realize God the Father promised that promise in Luke 24 that we just read was the promise of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is gonna send him. And this is what he's saying. I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness 
and of judgment. Now, here's what I want to talk about and pause for just a minute here. When you think about sharing your faith, when you think about sharing the gospel, here's what a lot of people in church I've discovered struggle with. Like they feel like you have to talk someone into knowing Jesus. But according to this verse right now, it's up to the Holy Spirit to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. So we don't have to fill those shoes. Those are too big a shoes for me to fill, right? All I have to do, right, is just to share who he is to me, right? Whether I'm planting a seed or whether I'm watering a seed, Paul said it's only God who brings the increase and the increase comes from the Holy Spirit. So listen, it takes a big burden or a big load off of our shoulders when we realize the Holy Spirit is given to us to help us. What is he given to help us do? What is he called to help us with? And we'll dig into that question a little bit further, but he is given to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. It's not my responsibility to do that, or yours for that matter. So why did the Father promise the Holy Spirit? Why did God the Father make that promise? He said, I will send you the Holy Spirit. And why did, and why did Jesus send the Holy Spirit? Anybody have a wild guess? why this was necessary in God's plan. Because obviously it was God's plan to send us the Holy Spirit, right? But did you ever think, why? Why did we need the Holy Spirit? Did you ever think about that? What was that? Yeah, we do need his help. Absolutely. So the first thing I want to start to introduce to you is the fact that how many of you know Jesus wants to have a relationship with us? Jesus wants to have a relationship with us. And guess what? So does the Holy Spirit. So does God the Father. So what I want you to know, you guys said, well, yeah, I can understand Jesus wants to have a relationship with me. And I can understand that God the Father wants to have a relationship with me. But then can the third member of the Trinity also desire to have a relationship with me. So that may seem a little weird or a little foreign, but listen, I'm telling you, they are one. And, and the Holy Spirit wants to help us. In fact, it's so important that God the Father promised it and Jesus sent him. Do you see that? And so now what's the fulfillment? So now what I want to unpack today, what I want to start to discover today is why. Why and what all am I made available to me through the Holy Spirit? So what is there about the Holy Spirit that I might be missing out on? So this is Jesus, also Luke chapter 24. Uh, the disciples are walking down the road to Emmaus. You guys may remember the story. I'm not gonna read it all. But listen, these two disciples are walking down the road to Emmaus. And Jesus walks up and joins them. And what happens? They don't recognize him, right? That's what happens. That's the context. They're just talking. And Jesus kind of walks up and says, hey, 
paraphrasing here, like, what are you talking about? And they're like, well, where have you been? Like, have you not heard that they crucified Jesus? Like, hello, what planet have you been on? They don't recognize it's Jesus. And what happened as he talked to them, right? As he shared, and it says this, he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written, thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached to, or in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And here's the key I want you guys to start to catch. And you are witnesses of these things. What I want to introduce to you today, maybe reintroduce, maybe you've already known this, but the purpose that God sent the Holy Spirit to his people is so that we would be his witnesses. This is what Jesus is saying to the disciples. He began to open up their, their hearts and their minds to understand the scripture. This is what the scriptures was talking about. And you are witnesses to these things. Again, Luke 24, 49, it's our, it's our text today. So that you'll be endued with power from on high. What do we need the Holy Spirit's power to do? Anybody have a guess on that? What do we need the Holy Spirit's power to do? To lift more weights, right? To run longer marathons. What do we need the Holy Spirit's power to do, church? Honestly. What's that? It's good. It's good. Acts 1.8. This is where, uh, and, I, and I, like to, I like to use this trivia question in church. What is the last thing that Jesus said while he was on earth? And we have a wild guess. Anybody, anybody remember what's the last thing Jesus said while he was still on earth? The answer is Acts 1.8, right? But you shall receive power. This is Jesus' own words. Sounds just like what we read in Luke 24, right? But you're gonna receive power. So here's Jesus talking about that power again. And he said what? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will have power. What will you have power to do? To stay up later? To lift weights, to run, right? No, that you will be my witnesses. Now, let me, let me pause there for just a second. To be a witness, right, it's that you have personally experienced something. So if I'm witness to a car accident, right, if I saw a car accident happen and I go to court and I testify six months later, I can testify about that because why? Because I'm a witness of it, right? I saw it. So what Jesus is saying here, I want you to be my witness. And it's not like I want you to go witnessing once in a while when you think about it and you muster up enough courage. It's not like, okay, well, let's, let's go witnessing. No, what he's actually saying is I want you to be my witness. And he's also saying here, listen, you're gonna need some power to go with you. That's why I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has sent to us so that we would have power to be witnesses to 
to me, he's saying, to Jesus in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the age. This is the last thing that Jesus said while on earth. Now, you can look it up in your Bible, but if you go to verse nine, he was taken up into heaven right immediately right after this. So think about this and the importance of being a witness for Christ when it was the last thing that he said on earth before he was taken up into heaven. So he didn't say, you need to make sure that you pray more often. You need to make sure that you worship. You know, you make sure you attend church. You know, you need to make sure you're good to your neighbor, which he taught all of those things, didn't he? Which were all great things. But the very last words that he uttered before he got taken up was what? Make sure you be my witnesses, right? And by the way, I'm not gonna send you out powerless. I'm sending you my helper to give you power so that at the words that you share, the world will be convicted of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Do you see how that works? The reason that the Father promised us the Holy Spirit so that we would have power to be his witnesses. That's it. It's really simple, guys. It's really super simple. But this is the reason, right? Why did God send the Holy Spirit? We just talked about that. So we would be his witnesses. Okay. He sent us the Holy Spirit to give us power. Power for what? You guys know this now, right? To be his witnesses, right? To be witnesses to Jesus Christ. That's Acts 1.8. To preach the gospel. Peter in Acts chapter two, right after Pentecost happened, Jesus said, wait, wait in Jerusalem, I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit. He's gonna endue you with power from on high. Why? To be witnesses. So what happens? Peter experiences that. And what happens right after that happened? He gets up and he shares the gospel, right? And many people were added to the church that day. You see, the, you see this coming to pass? This is what God is wanting to do through all of us to minister the gospel. We're gonna get into this in a minute. To be a minister. What does the word minister do? What does a minister do? Anybody know what the definition of that word is, minister? It means to serve. To minister to someone means that you serve them, right? That is Jesus' example. That's the example he left for us for ministry, okay? Um, Couple scriptures in Acts 2. Then fear came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. Uh, chapter 3, verse 6. Then Peter said, Silver and gold do I not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk, as he shared that with the beggar outside the temple, right? Peter is saying, listen, this power that I have been endued with from on high, like it's not money, right? It's not fame and fortune. I don't have that. Silver and gold have I none. But listen, here's what I have. I've been endued with power from on high. So rise up and walk. So he's sharing, he's ministering, he's serving with that power. 
You understand? To make the lame walk. And then we go to uh, Acts 4.13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And when they realized that they had been with Jesus. You know what happens? The Holy Spirit endues you with power from on high and he makes evidence in your life that you've been with Jesus. He says in John 16, Jesus says about the Holy Spirit, he will glorify me. They're one, right? That's what the Holy Spirit is bringing us power to do, to be a witness, to give us that boldness. How did Peter and John get boldness? Because they were endued with power from on high. The Holy Spirit brought that. Okay. Acts 4.33, and with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them. How many of you could stand some grace from God? I know myself personally, I'm like a graceaholic. So like I can't get enough of God's grace. But listen to this. This is what it says. Uh, With great power, the apostles gave witness, right? They witnessed, they testified about the resurrection of the Lord and great grace was upon them. So if you want grace, witness, be a witness for Christ. Okay, I'm hammering that one home today, didn't I? So again, we talked about why did God send the Holy Spirit to give us power, to be witnesses, to preach the gospel, to minister. And one more thing, one more thing, to give gifts to the church. Because guess what? Jesus loves the church. He loves the church so much he died for the church. That's how much he loves. And, and, and so for you guys, for those that you love, I pray that you bring gifts to those that you love. And Jesus does the same thing for the church. He's like, hey, church, I love you, and I want to I give you good gifts. And guess what? He brings them through the Holy Spirit to do what? To equip them to be witnesses. That's the gift of the Holy Spirit. I know I'm hammering this point home today, right? But here's the truth, man. He wants us to be witnesses because why? The world, in case you haven't checked lately, is in bad shape. And the only hope they could possibly have is you and me. And that may sound crazy, but listen, you may be the only Jesus they ever get to know. You say, wait a minute, I'm not Jesus. No, but you are a witness to him right? The things that he has done for you are the things that these people need to hear about. And so people say to me all the time, well, wait a minute. I'm afraid that they're going to ask me a hard question that I can't answer. I'm like, that's perfectly fine. Say this. I don't know about that. Be honest. If they ask you a hard question that you can't answer, just say, I can't answer that. But here's what I can tell you. I can tell you what he's done for me, right? That's it, right? Because it's that. It's, it's one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. It's really that simple. Tell you this quick testimony. We were in a city north of here and uh, it was during COVID season. And um, 
the National Guard was out in conjunction with the food bank uh, and they were passing out groceries to people at the fairgrounds and the cars were pulling through there and we set up camp uh, right down the, the aisle from them and we were giving out free meals as well, free hot cooked meals. They were distributing groceries, we were distributing hot meals and uh, no strings attached, just free meal to uh, everybody that were in their vehicles. And there were 1,100 people come through that line that day. And all we asked them was this simple, simple thing. How can I pray for you today? Right? We, we're offering you a free meal. And by the way, how can I pray for you today? No strings attached. But listen, we want to we wanna be able to share some hope, share some peace, share some good news with you today, right in the midst of COVID, right? And 1,100 cars came through there. And you know how many cars refused prayer? Have a wild guess. Two. Two cars out of 1,100 refused prayer. Now, what did I do that was so great? Offered to pray for them. I just was a witness. I just listened. And I'm telling you, there were people gripping their steering wheels, trembling, saying, I'm hopeless. I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. I'm scared to death. Like, they're just fearful. They're just hopeless. They're just broken. They don't have an answer. And guess what, church? We do, right? I didn't say no magic prayer. I just listened to what they said when I said, how can I pray for you? And then I just prayed for that, right? So you guys all heard the scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, right? Well, who's your neighbor? Who is your neighbor? And how do you love them? Well, what is the best way? This is my favorite line. What's the best way to love your neighbor? The very best thing you could do to them. Go up and hug them, hand them money, kiss them on the cheek. I don't know. What's the best way to love your neighbor? Here's what I think. Pray for them. Why? Because I can't fix their, all their problems, but Jesus can. So I'm just asking the creator of all things to come into their life and touch them, right? That's the best thing I have to offer. Same thing Peter said. Silver and gold have I none, but listen, such as I have I want to give it to you. I want to offer it to you. I want to tell you what Jesus has done for me, right? And listen, that is maybe the only hope that they have to hold on to that might, and this may sound crazy, but it might just keep them from taking their own life later that day. You have no idea. You have no idea what that little piece of hope might do for a life. And guess what? It's not up to us, right? One man plants, another man waters, but God gives the increase. And what does he do? He convicts the world. The Holy Spirit is working with you. He'll convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. All right. These are the gifts that Jesus has given to the church. And he gave some, that's Jesus. Jesus gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why? Because they're gifts. They're gifts that he's given to the church. And what's the purpose in yellow? 
for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Listen, that says right there, the work of the ministry is supposed to be done by the saints, by all of us. It doesn't say that the pastors are supposed to do all the work. The prophets are supposed to do all the work. The evangelists, they're not supposed to do the, their gifts given to the church to be equipped to do the work of the ministry. Look at your neighbor and say, that's you and me, right? For the edifying of the body of Christ. That's the purpose of this, right? So here's the plan that, that Jesus sent out, that God the Father set out and made this plan. Romans 10 tells us exactly his plan for the gospel so that the gospel message would get out. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And how then can they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how, they, how shall they believe in him who they have not heard? And how though they hear without a preacher? And right there, everybody stops and says, I'm not a preacher, right? Well, that word in the Greek, right, is it means like reading a newspaper. It means to announce. It doesn't mean that you stand on a soapbox on a street corner, right? That's not what that means. It means someone who tells, right? So right away, everybody goes, well, I'm not a preacher, so I'm off the hook. That word just means someone who tells, right? How shall they hear without someone to tell? And how shall they tell unless they are sent? So newsflash today, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are sent to be a witness wherever you are, at your job, at your school, at the gym, wherever you go, at Walmart, you're called to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Does that mean that you have to stand on the gas pump and preach? No. It means that you have to love your neighbor as yourself. So who's your neighbor? The person at the gas pump, right? How can I pray for you today? You might get a weird look, but I can tell you this, way more times I've asked that question and people begin to cry and say, no one has ever asked me that question in my whole life. How can Now we in our church circles, like we're used to that. You understand what I'm saying? Like we have our prayer times and stuff during church, but outside of church, which by the way, is usually the bigger percentage of the population in the community, right? They don't hear the words, how can I pray for you? I've had waitresses say, I've never been asked that question before, right? And I'm like, it was just a simple question. But, but by somebody taking the time, taking just a few seconds to say, can I pray for whatever's going on in your life right now? It's crazy. And it says this, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. What are glad tidings of good things? Things that the Lord has done for us, right? He has saved our souls, but they have not obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So what I'm saying is, listen to this, without somebody telling somebody's not hearing. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's it. And whose job is that? Well, that's the pastor's. 
His job is to tell the whole world, right? It's our job, guys. It really is. He is calling us to do this. All right. Let's, uh, let's wrap this up. So, of course, the Great Commission, he said to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And the Lord wants to work through us. And the Lord appoints us to go. And he said, this is Jesus talking, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into this harvest. Pray for laborers. Who are the laborers? The saints of God. Jesus himself said, pray for that. That's what I'm doing. I'm praying that more of us will go out and share the good news, right? So let me, um, let me wrap this up and um, move into this last portion. I, I mentioned to you guys that I was a worship leader for many years. God called me into pastoral ministry. And then in the midst of that, we had this revival come to our city and God said, I want you to drop everything that you know and become a full-time missionary. And I'm telling you, it was a really, really huge change for me and my family. Uh, I'm like, God, I don't know how you would ever do this. And he said, watch me, watch me, right? And it was still scary. I, I bit all my fingernails off for a couple months, <laughs> you know, trying to wrestle with God. But you know, when I read the scripture, God wins every wrestling match that I ever read about, right? And so God just kept calling me and um, he said, I want you guys to take this. And then as I mentioned, Time to Revive said, I want you to be the state chairman and, and take this across the state. So this is just a little tiny bit about our missionary journey. In August of 2016, in Dark County, Greenville, where I was pastoring, this revival was born. And all those men across that stage, they're all pastors in my same community that I didn't, I didn't even know. I didn't know any of these, these people at all until Revive came. And I know we don't have this anymore, but like they're all in my speed dial right now because God knit our hearts together and we began working together. Those laborers we just read about, we all realized that we're co-laborers in Christ. Listen, we might have different color carpet in our churches, right? We may serve communion on different days, different times. We may have slightly different things, but you know what? We decided that we're all working independently and it's not nearly as effective as it can be when we work together. So that's where Revive was born and how we got united as a church. And then in 2017, I took my family to Texas. We have five kids. And so when God said, I want you to drop your net and become a full-time missionary and raise your own support. I got five kids. Are you kidding me, Lord? So we did. We went to Texas and had a revival for 50 days. 50, five, zero, 50 days. That was our last training mission, right? That's how we got to learn how to walk this out. And my family went with us. While we were in Texas, this, this picture, I'm showing you this because the guy on the far left 
is a missionary from Grenada, the nation of Grenada. And he came to Texas to join us to go out and share the gospel. The little girl down there is my six-year-old daughter at the time, out on the streets sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. It's how I got hooked into this in the first place. I'm like, if my six-year-old daughter can be a witness for Christ, I'm without excuse. And I watched that little girl share the gospel with people and say, how can I pray for you? Like, and people don't turn down little children when they ask to pray for them. You know what I'm saying? So they're a great secret weapon. But the guy in the middle is what I want to bring your attention to. And I'm not kidding. His name is Haji. He's a Hindu man. Well, let me rephrase that. He was a Hindu man. I'm telling you. We were at Walmart pumping gas. And Haji was right next to us. He was our neighbor, right? And we began to say, Haji, how can we pray for you? And Bevan from Grenada, my six-year-old daughter, Addison, and I began to tell him what Jesus has done for our lives. And he said, I want that. And I said, you're kidding me. <laughs> I really did. I really did. I'm like, I don't know how to witness to a Hindu guy. Like, I don't. But guess who does? The Holy Spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying about this whole thing? It's like the Holy Spirit will help us be a witness for Christ. I don't know how to speak to his language. I don't know how many gods he prays to. I don't know that. All I know is what Jesus has done for me. And that's what I said. And you know what he said to me? He goes, this is gonna make my mom very proud of me. And I said, is she a Hindu? And he said, yeah, yeah, she's a Hindu. I said, how will this make her proud? He said, because all my mom wants for me is to see me succeed in life. And Jesus is going to help me succeed. You tell me, I'm not smart enough to do that in a person's heart, but the Holy Spirit is. You see what I'm saying? If you just go, if you just simply say, how can I pray for you? Like, and he's like, well, you know, pray for my mom. First thing he said, pray for my mom. And then he's like, I want to give my life to Jesus because that will bless my mom. I'm like, you can't make this stuff up. This, we were in Texas, this man, his name is Frederico. He only speaks Spanish. I don't speak any Spanish. Let me hear, let me tell you the next piece. He's 83 years old. Okay. I have people tell me all the time, I can't share the gospel, I'm too old. And this is exactly what Francisco told me, Frederico told me through an interpreter. He said, I'm too old, no one will listen to me. So I gave him a challenge. I said, if you go out on the streets with me and share the gospel with me, I said, I will help you, right? And I promise you that better than that, the Holy Spirit will help you, okay? That's what I made a promise. If you'll just go out with me one time to share the gospel. 
This is a busload of carnival workers on their way to work, to work at a carnival. The little uh, books that they're holding up in the air are Spanish New Testaments. Frederico led all of those men to Jesus his first day out on the street. Why? Because he's so smart and he, you, no, because he was a witness and he told him what Jesus did for him and he's 83 years old. And they said, I need Jesus. And they said yes to the Lord. So I have literally zillions and zillions of pictures and stories, but I won't do that for time's sake. This is a picture of revival in Shelby County where I live. We had a revival in Shelby County. This is the body of Christ coming together. Can you actually believe there was actually like 20 churches that came together to work together to share the gospel? Uh, I love to pray for pastors. I love to pray uh, as they're uniting and God's knitting their hearts together for revival. This is a picture of my wife on the street sharing the gospel with this lady. You see she's wiping tears from her eyes because my wife said, how can I pray for you? It's, it's really not that magical, but the Holy Spirit is very magical. This is me baptizing a guy on the streets in Seneca County who had uh, just came to know the Lord. We prayed for him. He said, I want Jesus in my life. And then he said, hey, is there any way I can get baptized? So we baptized him. This is a picture of us serving those meals, uh, those 1,100 meals I told you about and our simple message, how can we pray for you? This is the workers out there at all the cars praying for the people coming through the line. It's just simple. It's a question. There's a picture of, uh, of me sharing, sharing with those folks there. So we have um, been given a vision during COVID, you know, everything changed. Everybody's um, talking about the COVID and how it changed everything forever. Some people are saying, and some people are saying, I can't wait to get back to normal, all those things. But I, I wanna probably say to you guys, it's probably never gonna get back to normal what we once knew, but I think God's got a hand in that. So the Lord gave me a vision uh, in the midst of all of this COVID stuff. And he said, you need to take what you do and mobilize it so that you're going out. So the Lord gave me this vision of mobilizing what we do to go into neighborhoods, to go out and gather the Christians in that area and go into these neighborhoods and communities and share the gospel and pray for people and actually offer salvation to them. And so that's what it looks like. So we have a need with Revive Ohio Mobile because we actually been uh, received some donated vehicles for our ministry. Uh, we have a bus up there. That's what it looks like currently. Uh, and we're going to put the Revive Ohio um, colors and scripture verses on there. We also have been donated a trailer that we're going to turn into a mobile baptismal trailer uh, because we run into people all the time that 
get introduced to Christ for the very first time. And just like in the book of Acts, when Philip was called to go share the gospel with the Ethiopian eunuch, right? So what happened to the Ethiopian eunuch right away? He's like, here's a body of water over there. Can I be baptized? Like, that's just the natural reaction to people. That's what they wanted to do. Now, what did Philip do? Well, hold on, man. I need to go find a church to baptize you in. No, he just used what was there. And so we are taking this to the streets. And now we will always encourage people to get plugged into the local church because Jesus loves the church. I told you that. And we love the church. But when there's not a church handy, you know, what happens if it's a Tuesday and somebody wants to get baptized? Well, I'm sorry, you gotta wait till Sunday. No, we just feel like if the Holy Spirit is upon them and is moving on their hearts and they wanna make a commitment to the Lord, we wanna make that available. So that's what that is. Uh, This is my wife, Jill, uh, my partner in the gospel. And uh, we need your support to be honest with you. Um, I left a very lucrative job and it's okay because God is um, God has blessed us mightily and has met our needs, but we need some continual partners to partner with us so that we can continue to go share the gospel. But not just that, but also to help equip and train churches just like this. So your pastor, Rob, he knows what I do. <laughs> Right, and um, we're good friends. And he's like, "Hey, I'm going to be gone. Would you come and share with the church uh, what's going on? Kind of give an update to Revive Ohio and and us and all the things that the Lord's doing." But we we really need some support and some help uh, to continue to do this. Again, I got five kids and a brand new grandbaby, so it's all good. And God is faithful. But um, just in these types of settings, God always seems to raise some individuals up to say, hey man, I can chip in a little bit because with all of this stuff, we, we go through a lot of gasoline and stuff going into neighborhoods and driving these trucks and buses. But anyway, I appreciate your time and I pray first and foremost that you understand that the Holy Spirit wants to endue you with power from on high to be a witness. You don't have to do it on your own strength. You don't have to muster up all the courage yourself. You just have to trust the Lord and he wants to bless you. Let me pray. Father, thank you for um, all of your goodness that little by little, uh, jot by jot, tittle by tittle, God, you're revealing yourself, your will, um, your heart to your people. And Jesus, you said the last thing you uttered on earth was be my witnesses. Lord, help us. Uh, And Holy Spirit, we're actually uh, including you in this prayer. And God, whether this is the hundredth time we've heard this or maybe the first time, Holy Spirit, you are there wanting to help us, to help us be witnesses, to bring glory and honor to Jesus. So Holy Spirit, thank you for pouring yourself out and bringing us gifts and showing us things. And thank you for your part. You're always faithful to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And would you help us be a witness every day in Jesus' name? Amen.